When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The music there for our very special guest in the studio, WWE superstar, Drew McIntyre. Drew, it's got you charged up already. Welcome to Perth. Oh, it's good to be back in Perth. I haven't been here for about seven, eight years. Yeah. So it's good to make a comeback and then get a big win on Saturday, a huge win on Saturday, then a huge after party with everybody, then head right to WrestleMania and win the world title. I uh, just heard your song. We've had a request, and I'm getting people to text through maybe questions that they can ask you on 0487 736 736. Some people still prefer broken dreams. I hear that almost every single day. Uh, I'm working <laughs> on it, perhaps for a special occasion. The only issue I have, as much as I love it, um, is it's a little bit slow. Is it? And uh, the, the song you're hearing right now has got the war drums. And I kind of march pipes. to the ring, yeah, and it kind of fires me up in a different way, like I'm ready for a battle. And the other one, yeah. you know, it was kind of a fun song to listen to. But I like to, you know, bring it back for special occasions. So I'm working on it for a special occasion so everybody learn the lyrics because I hear about it every day. And when I bring it back, I had it clash at the castle in the UK. Just a little taste of it, and I could hear everyone singing it, which was cool. Yeah. I'm going to get it back for another event. Make sure you know those darn lyrics. <laughs> uh, we could tell the accent, uh, Scottish, very much so. Born in Ayr in Scotland, and I believe growing up as a young boy there in Bonnie, Scotland, you wanted to be a, a football star, not, maybe not a WWE star in those early days. And Rangers was your team. Yes, Rangers are still my team. See, technically, top, it was top of the Premier League at the moment. They are. We just went to the top. I was just having a little debate with somebody in the last radio appearance about it. They were a Celtic <laughs> fan. I had to remind them we're top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I wanted to be uh, you know play for Rangers or you know be in the WWE one day. But everybody kept trying to tell me, even as a young kid. Don't be silly. That's an American thing. You're never going to do that one. Maybe focus on the football. I've got Brett who'll ask you a couple of questions at the moment. He's by mixed martial arts, man. He knows everything when it comes to the UFC, boxing, and, of course, uh, wrestling as well. I believe your parents encouraged you to get involved with wrestling. Is that true? Uh, I wouldn't say that. They encouraged me to get involved in football and very involved in school, especially uh, the school part. But not wrestling? <laughs> no, no, that was very much uh, my crazy dream that literally nobody could possibly fathom. It was such a faraway thing, being from Scotland, five million people was away in America. There was no direct route there. Like These days, you know, WWE is a huge UK presence, a worldwide presence with the wrestling skills, avenues to get to America. There was nothing back then. No way. I just had it in my head. I'm going to do this no matter what, whatever it takes. Harassed my parents to go to a wrestling school. Mm. The only one was 12 hours from here where I lived. So when I was 15, my mom finally said, okay, you can go 12 hours there, 12 hours back, but you have to be in constant contact with me. I have to speak to the trainer <laughs> and you have to stick in at school and we'll support this crazy dream. 
How big are you back in Scotland? Uh, you're now a US citizen, as we know, but of course your, your roots are back in Bonnie, Scotland. Uh, how often do you get back? And when you get back, what, it's, what is it like? I don't get back often enough. Um, that's something I'm planning to change. And now I've been gone for like 16 years chasing this crazy dream. Um, you know, a lot of ups and downs professionally and personally. And recently I was back for my buddy's wedding. And usually when I go home, I just see the immediate family, you know, real close friends. I don't get a chance to see the people I grew up with, other friends and the likes. At this wedding, I saw people I hadn't seen in 20 years almost. Mm. I, I felt guilty, to be honest. I'd been gone for so long and a lot of people were looking so much older and they've got all these stories I hadn't heard. And I've started incorporating it as part of the show. You know, what's going on with McIntyre's, what's going on with real Drew in real life. And they're kind of blending together. And I think that's what's making my character so interesting right now because it's based in reality. And I do have these certain feelings of guilt for the sacrifices, not that I've made, but my family's made, my friends have made for me to be in America chasing this crazy dream. You mentioned you've been having some ups and downs over the years. So, uh, again, you were tipped to be the next big thing uh, in WWE back in 2014, I believe. That's when you got released. So you, you spent some time away. How, how did you find reinventing yourself that time away from WWE? It was necessary. Um, it was 2009. I was named the chosen one, mm. uh, you know, the future of WWE. And uh, as the rocket shift was going up, uh, things, you know, got extinguished pretty quick. Uh, not just from a professional standpoint, but personally, you know, things were going really bad. I'd, my mom got sick during that time. I'd lost her. I was going off the deep end. I was going out partying like seven days a week. Mm. That was sad because she was a young woman, wasn't she? I think she was yeah, 51. early 50s, yeah. Mm. Um, and she'd been through, you know, a, a very rare condition in her life. It was one thing after another, and she kept a smile on. It just kept so positive the whole time. Do you think about her a lot when you actually take on your profession? Is she a bit of a motivational oh, yeah. spur for you? Yeah, I think about her all the time. I think about her almost every day. Mm. Um, she's my hero, always will be uh, my hero, but that was very tough. She was the closest person in the world to me, mm. and I didn't deal with it well. I didn't get the help I probably needed. And, uh, yeah, my professional career suffered, um, not just because of that. There was numerous things, but that was the main factor looking back that I didn't deal with those issues. Maybe I've never really dealt with them, but certainly needed to deal with them at the time. And, you know, eventually I got released from the company, and I had to find myself, you know, just as a performer, but as a man too. And uh, thankfully I'd met, you know, the girl was now my wife. And she was there to kind of help me find myself as a man while I traveled the world to find myself as a performer to put those pieces together, like who I was going to be. And it was a heck of a journey for three mm. years, but I finally became the performer. I was meant to be a main event caliber performer, representing multiple companies outside of WWE as the number one guy, showing I could do that and represent on the top level. But more importantly, I finally was no longer a boy. I became a man. And round about that time, it was time to return to WWE when those pieces came together. It's fantastic having you back in Perth. And it was 2015. Not many people know about this as well, but 2015, you visited us in Perth and yes. you performed in front of only 200 people. And and this is where, again, the, the, the WWE fans that were there as well, just, you know, you, the respect that you basically, uh, you know, found that when you were facing a guy that uh, that wasn't up to your level and you took your performance so seriously and you you took the time to had some harsh words for him but you also apologized to everyone in that audience as well and that's where the respect came from every every fan that was in the place and uh, we've been invested there's been a lot of talk about finishing this story but we're probably invested in your story uh, of how it's been going in the last few years as well thank you um, yeah I, I've had a lot of uh, guilt 
um, annoying that show. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I felt so bad about the match. As you mentioned, uh, the performer wasn't up to the level. He should have been to be in the ring with me to put on the performance the crowd deserved. And it was over within about three minutes. And I had to finish him off real quick because he was that inexperienced. I would say bad, inexperienced, not ready. And uh, I said, okay, no, this is where I take the microphone and I'm going to give the people a show, at least with my words, and just have a bonding experience and make it worth the price of admission because it should have been in ring and then on the microphone. But I said, if I've only got the microphone, I'm going to take the time and make sure everybody knows, you know, how much it means to me. You all are here showing the passion you're showing. And next time I'm going to give you a performance you won't forget. And next time has come. Mm. It's Elimination Chamber, and I'm going to give you a performance of a lifetime. And I'm just going to take on that, a performance of a lifetime. As you can see, the, the infrastructure is getting built here. It's a fantastic stadium, and it hums when there's people in there because we have, you know, sports played in this Optus Stadium, and the people are going to go off. There's no question on Saturday night. For those people that have never experienced, and a lot of them haven't because it's the first time it's come to Australian shores, what sort of show are they in for? One you're certainly not going to forget. Uh, if you know about WWE, you know already. I don't have to sell you. If you don't know, you got to get there live. Um, the fact there'll be tens of thousands of people there. It's fun just to watch the crowd. Our fans are so passionate. They're so wild. You can literally just sit and look around and watch the people, how crazy they get, how involved they get in the show. But the spectacle of WWE, with all the fireworks, everyone's got their own you know, special entrance. You know, I've got a sword that shoots fire I, when I come out there. I know come out of the sky, <laughs> killing the legs. But everybody's got their own unique entrance. There's so many different characters. Everyone can get invested in. There's someone for everybody, a storyline for everybody. The women are not just as good, but something's better than the guys, and they're willing to do some of the craziest things you've ever seen in your life. And this Elimination Chamber female match, they're going to be looking to top our match. So it's going to be a friendly competition with the guys and girls, and it's great you know, value for money. And all I can say is, you know, we don't come to Perth as often as we can. People are going to be talking about it the next day and you're going to be like, damn it, I should have went along. This yeah. was the one chance I could have went and to experience it live is something else. And what's really good about it, it's on Foxtel, of course, uh, premium free-to-wear. So it's a free-to-wear coverage plus on Binge as well. So people can see it here if they haven't got a ticket to come along to the big event at Optus Stadium. A crowd of around 50,000 is forecast. And the seats aren't cheap. You know, the tickets are, haven't been cheap. I think they've been set by the governing body and not by the people here. But... They're so invested in it. This is a big community that follows WWE here in Australia. Can I ask you, because you are a US resident now and citizen, how big is it in the States? Huge. It's gigantic. Can you give us an example of maybe one of the events that really sticks in your mind back in the US and, and what it was like? Multiple events. Like our WrestleMania is our flagship show every year, and it goes between you know seventy thousand to over a hundred thousand, and we have two days of it every single year. So it brings so many people from all across the world, which is just incredible. Uh, one of our other big events, uh, you know, I won the the Royal Rumble match mm. in Houston, Texas. It was over forty thousand people there, just going mm. absolutely insane, and it we're just so worldwide. That's the cool thing about WWE. Um, every country we go to, we get just such incredible large crowds, but such wild, passionate crowds. The fans, I can only compare them to, like, football fans back home um, or perhaps, you know, like the uh, Aussie football fans over here. I've been to a few Aussie uh, rules games. Mm. And just American fans are not quite the same. They go, they enjoy it, they have passion. They're very, oh, I enjoyed that. That, that was fun. <laughs> but it's very much life and death when it comes to, you know, like Aussie football or football back in the UK. And that's what our WWE fans are like. And I know it's going to be absolutely out of this world here in Perth and Saturday and probably one of our top crowds ever. 
You speak about the crowds and, and again, that moment in 2020 when you run the Royal Rumble was, was magnificent and uh, probably the turning point of your career. But you fast forward a few months where the world goes crazy. Your moment, you defeat Brock Lesnar, which was supposed to be in front of those huge crowds. Yeah. There was no one there. I mean, did you have mixed feelings about that? It was a highlight of your career, but you couldn't really celebrate it with the fans. Because of COVID. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, obviously, as a kid, um, I dreamed about getting to WrestleMania, winning the Royal Rumble, getting the chance to be in the main event and winning the world title. But, uh, yeah, I always imagined there being thousands and thousands of screaming fans and it was all perfect and only you know with the ups and downs of my life I was of course like when I finally got main event the world shuts down so initially you know I was very upset I was very angry until I started understanding the gravity of what was going mm. on and you know what, how you know the COVID situation was affecting people how you know ignorant we were at the time we didn't know anything so there was a lot of fear in the world and everything shut down entertainment and sports wise uh, apparently not here but everywhere else in the world um, shut down and uh, people were not going to have that constant in their life like you know sports and entertainment it keeps people sane and we decided as a company we're going to push forward we're going to give them that escape that constant every single week we're 52 weeks a year and that's the first year we decided to do Wrestlemania over two days so it was a Saturday and a Sunday as an escape for everybody and that was that last match on the Sunday the feel-good story the kid that's been knocked down so many times has finally got the chance to win the big one and I knew there was going to be no one there, but I knew this is bigger than my, my dream as a kid. Um, this is to give everybody, you know, a smile during mm. a time when they need a smile. I'm going to win that title. And I saw the feedback. It meant the world to me. It still means the world to me. Being champion during that time when there was nobody, you know, in the crowd. And that was the constant in people's lives. And I have people literally tell me it saved their lives because mm. they had that constant. It's still the most important part of my entire career. We're speaking to WWE superstar, and it's really great to have him here in Drew McIntyre. Drew, just that Nathan has said, what is your diet? Because you need a lot of energy. This, you are very much a, an elite athlete. There's no question about that. So what is your diet day to day? Maybe what is your diet on Saturday as you prepare for the big event? Um, I'm not the best person, I guess, to, to give advice on diet because um, I eat everything and anything in sight. I eat a lot. Very high metabolism. I am six foot five, legit, just over six foot five. And I always struggled to put weight on when I was younger. I started weight training uh, when I was about 12, 13, got very serious about it at 15 when I started training to be a professional wrestler. And I've found for me, as long as I eat enough, then I'm good, eat five times a day, and I will eat. It drives people crazy. It drives my wife crazy. I eat burgers and pizza and things that I shouldn't be eating. But I work out very, very hard, and I have the high metabolism. And as the years go by, it gets a little slower, and I gain a little bit more weight. But, yeah, yeah, I'm not the person to ask genetics on my side. getting into your age bracket, I think you turned 39 later this year. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Do you notice as you get older you need to work harder at training because the metabolism, they say, tends to slow down a fraction as you get older? No, exactly, because now I can finally gain the weight I've always wanted to gain. Like every year, I feel like I'm able to gain like 10 pounds. So I was right. always stuck around 245 when I was younger. And I was like, damn, I want to get to like 275, 280, which I am now. So I don't I don't want to be over 300. So now yeah. it's like that perfect weight right now, 275, 280. The, the superstars these days, there are some you know big lads still involved, but it's not like back in the day when everybody was huge. We have so many athletic performers now. When I came into the company in 2007 at 22 years old, 
I was one of the smaller guys, and now mm. I'm one of the biggest guys. I've seen photos of you when you were younger, clean shaven. Oh, yeah, I looked like one of those Abercrombie and Fish models or something, <laughs> underwear model. And now I look like I've eaten that version of myself. <laughs> That's the part of reinventing yourself and coming back as a, as a huge star. So you talk about big boys. There's some big boys that you're up against in the Illumination Chamber. Uh, is anyone that you really want to get your hands on and give a claymore to on, uh, I suppose you want to give a claymore to everybody, but is there anyone in particular you want to target? I mean, there's, there's a couple for sure. I've got history with Randy Orton. Mm. Um, and he's come back in the best shape of his life. He was out for two years, career-threatening injury. It was possibly not coming back. Looks amazing. So, uh, yeah, I feel kind of bad when I have to kick him in the face. <laughs> uh, Bobby Lashley, you know, him and I have had, you know, big feuds in the past over the world title of up-and-coming star in LA Knight. But the one that's going to, you know, get my foot down his throat is certainly Logan Paul. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. I want to, you know, give him props. Like, he's a genuine passion and love for our industry. Doesn't have to do it, wants to do it. Takes insane risks and really gets the finer points. Um, of our job, like things that, you know, if you watched as a fan, you perhaps couldn't articulate, but you can just see he's got it. And as a, as a performer, I can, but it's amazing how quickly he's picked it up, but he's not been in the ring with somebody like Drew McIntyre and how hard that I hit whatever preconceptions you have about WWE. They go out the window when you watch me perform because I hit and I leave marks and you go, uh, that guy's not a magician. He's beating him up. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how hard do you work on your technique? Uh, these days, I'm not just in the matches. There's no practice rehearsal. I've wrestled mm-hmm. for 22 years now. So, see, I started when I was 15. That was my part-time job through high school. You know, summer holidays, I'd be off wrestling for three months, um, right through to, to 21 when I got signed by WWE, finished college, university, got my degree, went straight to America, I'm in full-time the whole time. I've had all the reps in the world. So now it's about, you know, you get a bump card, you get so many falls in your life. I'm very conscious that unless I'm in front of a live crowd, I'm not taking any falls. And as a big guy, I'm really not taking that many anyway. I'm chucking everyone around. Let's find out a bit about you away from the event and your professional art of WWE. You mentioned your wife, who you married in 2016. Is she part of your entourage? And how much of an entourage do you have when you travel? How many people have come to Perth, Western Australia for this event that is your support network? Uh, she's not on this trip. Um, we all flew together, the crew. We had the show Monday Night Raw mm. on Monday where I defeated Cody Rhodes. <laughs> and, uh, we all took a, you know, a flight together eh, as, a, as a team. Um, you know, the, the roster, the, the camera people, the lighting people and the likes. Like everybody, it was a cool bonding experience. You got a chance to chat with everybody because mm. live TV, you don't get a chance to catch up and thank everybody for their role within the company. Um, so it's kind of the team that is here on this trip. But whenever I can bring the wife, I bring her. I always say I wouldn't be the man I am with the success I have without her mm. um, in my corner. And whenever we can get her along, and we're in India uh, at the end of last year filming a couple of adverts, a couple of commercials, and she was there for that. Uh, when I get something outside the box representing the company, it was at COP26, uh, you know, the climate festival, and she came along to Paris with me. We had the chance to talk um, in front of the crowd and... Um, you know, like people are surprised when they see wrestlers talking about things outside the box. I think mm. I was talking about how climate change disproportionately affects females in third world countries. And, you know, people see like Drew the Wrestler walk out and go, that's Drew the Wrestler. <laughs> Who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> when they walk out. So it's fun to represent the company in different ways. And I also have her by my side. We've heard about The Rock and what he's achieved. Do you fancy yourself maybe hitting Hollywood Boulevard and maybe starring in a few movies? I think you've been in a couple, haven't you, in a cameo role? Yeah, I've been uh, a couple of supporting roles, and we'll see. Uh, I just, Is that something you're, you, you'd look at? 
I mean, uh, it takes I look you at the opportunities. Level, it? Yeah, like uh, whatever comes my way. If it interests me, I'll do it. It's not something that's a big goal, but I did uh, work with Batista, like Dave Batista, in one of his upcoming movies, and uh, had a pretty fun role in it. And it'll be coming out sometime this year, I believe. And uh, yeah, that that was a lot of fun and kind of gave me more of the bug for it. So if I see an opportunity that looks like it's a lot of fun, wrestling's number one by far. But if it's something that you know catches my attention, I'll certainly you know get involved. I always suggest to everybody. I'll say this a hundred times. If anyone wants to make a brave heart too. <laughs> I say this all the time. Zombies are still all the rage. I know Wallace gets hung, drawn, and quartered at the end, but if you get a movie where his body parts come back together and his zombie Wallace wreaks havoc on the English, I'll be your zombie Wallace. Braveheart 2 The Rise of Wallace. Well, Brett's a big movie man as well. You can recall that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And what, what do you actually watch when you're obviously not working? What, what do you actually like to watch? Are there a particular series or, or particular movies that you're interested in? <sighs> Yeah, I mean everything. Um, I, my wife and I have all the the streaming things that you know during COVID. I think we signed up to everyone. We still have them, and we power through so many different shows. Like uh, we only discovered The Sopranos recently. It's obviously an older show, but yeah. we're like, wow, where's this been all? Because yeah. <laughs> everyone keeps telling us how good it was. But there's just so many different things on television that you know we're playing catch up uh, with a lot of them. Outlander is one she discovered. Uh-huh. She was like, I just found this Scottish show. I went, really? I showed her Braveheart. It's the greatest movie ever. She was, like, oh, was alright. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's also 100% historically accurate. Just don't check any history books. Yeah. Um, but no, we all have Outlander too. That was Mel Gibson, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was indeed. Good Australian actor. Have you it's met any... Good. What are the famous people that you met? You're famous in your own right. Who have you sort of rubbed shoulders with uh, in time? Because, you know, it'd be an event in the States where the A-listers would go along. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, a, a bunch. It'd be, it'd be impossible to remember everybody over the past 16 years. But, we but it is an A-list event, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's who's who of everybody comes along to our events and just where we perform, um, you know, in LA and the likes, and everyone just walks around as they should be able to, like normal people. I remember going to a restaurant one time and coming out, and I was waiting in my car um, to come from Valley, and I turned around, and Robert Downey Jr. was there, and I was like, oh, hey, I was like, hey, and I shook his hands, like, fan of your work, and then... He was kind of looking at me like wanting to continue the conversation, but I know what it's like to people keep coming up to you talking. I was like, all right, enjoy your day, and kind of turned away, and I could feel him still there. I went, damn it, I just turned my back. And like, <laughs> Should I continue that conversation? <laughs> There's this aura about uh, Drew McIntyre and the, the huge persona that you have as uh, an identity in this huge sport of WWE. But here you are sitting across from myself and, and Brett, and you just seem really down to earth. Now, I know there's going to be a big event on Friday, uh, the stage will be just from where we're broadcasting here and all, some of the participants and the fighters will be out there uh, being introduced to the crowd. Um, do, you, do you make time to acknowledge your fans and the supporter base that you've got? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, I wouldn't, again, like give my wife all the credit, but I also give uh, my fans that have stuck by me all this time a lot of credit that saw when I was a kid and I wasn't given a lot of the you know, bigger opportunities. They could see, like, hey, this guy's got something, give him more. And I was placed more in comedic roles. Um, you know, I went from the guy who was saving the girl from the tracks to the comic relief. Mm. And people were always pushing, like, Drew's got more to offer. And even, like, my you know favourite wrestler when I was a kid, Brett the Hitman Hart, he would go online and go, what are you doing? you got to give, you know, Drew opportunities. And Again, everything happens for a reason. When I was fired, I found myself. I became the man I am. I became today, but... The fans stuck by me the entire time, and you know the fan base grew. And my original fans will say, "Yeah, you were 
here from the beginning during the hard times. But yeah. I appreciate all my fans knew I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We touched on before. That's what we admired about you. You always believed in yourself, but you mentioned those, you know, those sort of roles that you had. But was there a particular time, especially the time away from the WWE, was there any time that you doubted yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean... Uh, when I wrote my book, My Chosen Destiny, available. My, is that right, Joe? My Chosen Destiny? My book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's available now. Just look up Drew McIntyre's book. But, uh, but yeah, I had the chance to write my write my book and um, go through the my history and exactly how I was feeling. Because when people were asking me about your time away from WWE, how did it go? I was, oh, yeah, I was fired. And I just was like, I'm going to take over the wrestling world. And I took it over. My wife was like, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> like you were in a comedic role for a few years, limited match time, certainly not serious matches, limited microphone time. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of, oh my goodness, can I achieve the things I want to achieve? Am I as good as I convinced myself in my head? I actually am, and I had a lot of uh, faking it till I made it um, initially, and thanks to... You know, people around me believing in me and looking to me as a leader, I finally started believing in myself and finally uh, became that person instead of pretending to be that person in my head. Just looking at the autobiography, A Chosen Destiny, My Story, was released in May of 2021. So check it out if you're listening in. Uh, Probably should know that one. Uh, and you're, uh, you're a feature, of course, on video games, which is uh, very popular these days with a certain uh, demographic. Uh, have you sampled those? Have you played those? Oh yeah! Every year we have uh, you know promotional events uh, for our video games, the uh, 2K uh, video games, and every year they just get more incredible and more realistic and lifelike. And it's never lost on me as a lifelong wrestling fan how cool it is to have a new action figure or be featured in a video game. And uh, so I've been WWE 2008, I think the first time I popped up in a video game. And to this day, whenever I see myself, I get excited and I sit down and I basically play with myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to ask, do you play as yourself or do you play as someone? Which, which no, no, I play with myself. Yeah. Um, I would complain if my tan's not right or I'm not quite jacked enough. Uh, <laughs> no, this, this version uh, this year looks very good. Does it? So yeah. saying that, so what will you do between now and the event on Saturday night? Uh, do, do you do any, is it just a normal routine for you or are you going to sort of chill out a bit? You know, what will you expect? Here we are, it's a Wednesday. Uh, I know you've just flown into Perth. Uh, the event still is two, three days away. Uh, what will be your program? Uh, for me personally, I, I've not trained in a few days, obviously, because I've been traveling for a while. Uh, so I will get a workout in tonight. I will hopefully get to check out the sites uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I'm going to find the time. I'll be involved in a couple of community events and you'll see some of the local charities uh, tomorrow, do some more uh, media, I imagine. Fantastic. And uh, I'm the global ambassador of Special Olympics. Um, so I'll be doing an event on Friday, I believe, with uh, Special Olympics. Uh, maybe some more media. And... Um, getting in the gym as often as I can, but definitely, you know, getting around in Perth. And I know it's summer season. I have a deep fear of great whites, but I guess this is a place to to see them. And uh, I I did Shark Week in 2020 because I do have this um, irrational fear of them, and it's because of the movies and the preconceptions that everybody has. And we're all... And and we've seen talk shows in the United States of America when people have come to Australia and then gone back, and they've been on... Jimmy Fallon show and all these sort of shows saying, uh, what was Australia like? He says, Australia's a beautiful country, but everything that walks around in Australia can kill you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, again, and I'm have, a big you, fan and of have you got that attitude as well? 
Yeah, I mean, when it comes to spiders and the likes, but I do try to spread the positive message about, you know, sharks and the likes. So the doctors of the sea, they're essential for ecosystem. We'd be <laughs> literally, humans would die out without them. So we need yeah. to protect them. So I, I'm trying to raise awareness about that. That's now, why I got in a shark cage in 2020, as terrified as I was. <laughs> now, get out and have a look because it is a beautiful city. It's the most isolated city in the world on the west coast of Australia and certainly picture perfect beaches. 39 degrees, by the way, is the forecast on. I think it's Friday, so mm. it's going to be fairly warm, but it'll cool down for the event. For those people listening in late, we're speaking to Drew McIntyre, the WWE superstar. And if you are going to the event on Saturday night, there's going to be, of course, a lot of people milling around Optus Stadium. Uh, again, just to recap, they're in for something extraordinary on Saturday night. Yeah, for an event that's not going to be talked about for weeks, it's going to be talked about for years. Uh, I hope we'll be back soon for another big show. Um, I know the tickets already, like tens of thousands. I can't even mm. give you the exact number. I've already been sold. Get them where you can um, in case they're gone. But you want to be there. You want to be involved. The spectacle of WWE is something else. And I can't sell it enough that you have to experience it in person. If you're a lapsed fan, if you're a new fan, you're going to regret hearing about it and going, ah, I should have checked out that mm. WWE because mm. I do not know when we're going to be back. So, Brett, I'm asking you, can you win it? He is the favourite, and I believe he's going to win it. And what, what I love about Drew's story, again, we saw him in front of 200 people. He's going to be in a packed house in front in a stadium that wasn't here last time he was in Perth. You, this was not here. So you're, you, I can't wait for you to experience what is a magnificent award-winning stadium. And I believe he's going to put on a show, and I think he's going to win. And I've got to ask you, how special will it be? Because this match is important to you. But how special will it be to win the Elimination Chamber to go on to main event WrestleMania? Beyond special. I am um, since I became WWE champion two times. We talked about you know winning during COVID. There was no fans there when I won it the first time. We had our fans on screens in the Thunderdome when I won it the second time, and I lost it before fans came back. <laughs> yeah. So I've had the title for 300 days, over 300 days. And I've never experienced fans live, and I always mm. say I did that for everybody else. I did that for the fans. This one's going to be for me, and I've been looking for an opportunity to find my way to that match. I took out CM Punk. Um, he was looking to get that match. I did whatever I could <laughs> to try and get that match. And I'm at the last, you know, step, well, last giant hurdle. It's winning that elimination chamber. How are the t-shirt t-shirt sales going with the CM Punk? Amazing, <laughs> yeah. uh, unbelievable. I did it as you know, just a little uh, yeah, took off to <laughs> Punk, and I thought I didn't know they were going to sell them. I just said I want this shirt made, and if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. And they made the shirts. I didn't realize they were selling them. Then they sold more more than Punk's real shirts. Will <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of people on Saturday night wearing we'll these wear shirts. It. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time out. Uh, thanks, Joel, for bringing Drew in. We appreciate it. Um, great to have you here. You're a very likeable character. I can see why the people are gravitating to you. Thank you. Uh, it'll be a different Drew McIntyre from a competitive sense on Saturday night. Enjoy what we have to offer. We're good people here. The people will come out and will be supporting you and uh, enjoy your experience here in Perth, Western Australia. We appreciate you coming over. No, thank you so much for having me. This was a real... Fun chat. Everyone else is lying in bed. I'm the only guy out today because I love talking about it. <laughs> I can out with y'all. People in Perth remind me of people back home in the UK. Y'all like to have fun. Y'all like to have a bit of banter. So hopefully I'll see some of y'all in the pub and then see you for the after party when I win on Saturday. Yeah, and there's plenty of Scots here. We'll go out, of course, with the, the song that epitomises Drew McIntyre, a special guest here on Sports Day WA.